I'd like to say good morning to the class. My name is Lauren Lewis, and I'll be your moderator for this morning's session. This is a school and not a church, and neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious, and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh, our Elohim, and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern, and plan, operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley, in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We hold classes in the United States, Canada, and certain other foreign countries. The Southfield, Michigan class was established in the year 1997. At this time, I would like to introduce to you the Dean of the Southfield, Michigan class, Dr. Marvin Lewis, the President, Dr. Edward Yule, the Vice President, Dr. Ronald Atkins, and the Superintendent, Dr. Jarrell Lewis. In this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title of the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The true title of the Word or Son is Elohim it has been improperly substituted by God. The name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua the Messiah. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles and are not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5, that there are Lord's many and there are God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means that Elohim is the title that our creator Yahweh chose for himself. Jesus is a name but it is an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part in a good dictionary or encyclopedia will prove that neither the Hebrew language, the Greek language, nor the Latin language had any characters or letters in their alphabet that have produced the sound that is made by this letter J. Neither was there a letter J in the English language until some 1400 years after the Messiah's death. Therefore, such names as Jesus and Jehovah are impossible renderings of the true and original name of our Heavenly Father and His Son. Christ is a title, just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state, He is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source substance, limits, and bounds of everything. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state, 
symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because the cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We have drawn this cloud all around the edges of this chart to show you that everything on the chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in this pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form white within himself as Elohim. This is the word or son, a super incorporeal being. That is, having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form can only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body and walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus Christ. Now there is only one name given unto salvation and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves is, what was the name of the savior during the time that he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface of the Holy Name Bible. Also at this school, we teach by a divine pattern of the universe. It is called the divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he called Moses atop Mount Sinai and showed him the tabernacle pattern in a vision. Yahweh instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. The pattern consists of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court round about. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and function of this threefold tabernacle pattern and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. Our primary constitutional objectives and aims are as follows. To help you find and know Yahweh our Elohim as he really is and actually exists. Second, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhoods of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Four, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, and modern practical and occult science. Fifth, to extirpate current superstitions skepticisms, and ignorance. Six, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensation in ages. Seventh, 
to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons, operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensation of time. Eight, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained, there is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And tenth, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword, peace, slogan, speak the truth. I'd like to say good morning to this class. And at this time, we'd like to be dedicated in prayer by Dr. Victoria Hamilton, followed by scripture lesson, Exodus, the 33rd chapter, read by Dr. Felicia Hamilton. Dr. Hamilton? Good morning, everyone. Um, let's all bow our hearts and minds for a moment of prayer. Um, I want to thank Yahshua for allowing us once again to gather um, and learn more of him. Uh, when we thought about um, not being able to preach the gospel in person, this is definitely not what we thought, but we are still able to come together um, and learn more of him. And even, you know, this, this might be strange, but it has allowed us to reach more brethren across, um, you know, more and more boundaries. Um, and so I'm just so grateful to that. So um, with that being said, I'll say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Dr. Hamilton. Hallelujah. And I will be reading Exodus, the 33rd chapter. And I will be reading from the Holy Name version of the Bible, which has the true names of our Savior and our Father. That's Exodus chapter 33. And Yahweh said unto Moses, depart and go up hence, thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt, and to the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, and to thy seed will I give it. And I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. For I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. And when the people heard these evil tidings, they murmured, and no man did put on his own garment, ornament, excuse me. For Yahweh has said unto Moses, say unto the children of Israel, ye are a stiff-necked people. I will come up into the midst of thee in a moment and consume thee. Therefore now put off thy ornaments from thee that I may know what to do unto thee. And the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by the Mount Herod. And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp and called it the meeting tent of the congregation. And it came to pass that everyone who sought Yahweh went out into the meeting tent of the congregation, which was without the camp. And it came to pass when Moses went out into the meeting tent 
that all the people rose up and stood every man at his tent door and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass as Moses entered into the meeting tent, the cloudy pillar, excuse me, the cloudy pillar stood at the door of the meeting tent and Yahweh talked with Moses. And, the, and all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the meeting tent door and all the people rose up and worshiped every man in his tent door. And Yahweh spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man departed not out of the meeting tent. And Moses said unto Yahweh, see, thou saith unto me, bring up this people and thou hast not let him know, no, excuse me, whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, my presence shall go before thee and I will give thee rest. And he said unto them, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be distinguished, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And Yahweh said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken. For thou hast found grace in my sight, and I will know thee by name. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. And I will proclaim the name of Yahweh before thee and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, thou canst not see my face for there shall no man see me and live. And Yahweh said, behold, there is a place by me and thou shalt stand upon a rock. And it shall come to pass when my glory passes by that I will put thee in the cleft of the rock and I will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I will take away my hand and thou shalt see my back, but my face shall thou not be seen. I have read Exodus the 33rd chapter. Let us all say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Victoria Hamilton for the prayer and Dr. Felicia Hamilton for the scripture reading. Once again, I'd like to welcome everyone for coming out this morning and hope that you do sincerely enjoy the lecture. Before we call on our first speaker, I'd like to acknowledge a returning visitor. Visiting with us, we have Sister Vanessa Goodrum and we do also have returning brethren from various branch schools. We'd like to welcome you and thank you all for joining with us this morning. Our scripture readers for this morning's lecture will be Dr. April Lewis and Dr. Shirley Nelson. And it's an honor and a pleasure to call on for our very first speaker, the president of the Southfield branch, Dr. Edward Yule. Dr. Yule. Can you hear me? Yes. I'd like to say good morning to all the attending 
members and brethren. Um, this is a school, it's not a church. And we come down here to learn of the true gospel of Yahshua Messiah, which the world cannot receive, but those that have been chosen by him do know and understand that he's our only hope of glory and he's the only savior, the only intercessor in the world, in the whole universe. And um, just the scripture lesson is so beautiful because there's so much hidden in the mystery and right under the, uh, on the, this chart that's up under Canaan, that uh, chapter of Exodus describes what happened when Moses uh, went into this tent. And uh, so if you just start reading right there, say where, I don't know exactly the uh, verse, but say when he went in, a cloud stood at the door, but Yahshua uh, the son of Nun didn't come out. Just want to show there that who was leading them. And it starts, start up where it say, he's going to give them the land of the Jezebites, the Hittites and all those, and just start in there. Okay, that is Exodus 33 and, um, and two. Okay. And I will send an angel before thee. Now sending that angel, that angel is a Yahshua because um, I think it's 17th chapter, 23rd chapter, talks about this is Yahweh's angel who was going to uh, lead them all the way from Egypt up into this promised land. The promised land is a type of heaven. And uh, right above it says Canaan, the promised land. And so it was promised to uh, Abraham. And But just read where you are now just to show uh, who's really leading them. Mm -hmm. And I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, and the Hittite, the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. For I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. Mm -hmm. And the I'm sorry. And when the people heard these evil tidings, they mourned, and no man did not put on his, on his ornaments. For Yahweh said unto Moses, say unto the children of Israel, ye are a stiff-necked people. I will come up into the midst of thee in a moment and consume thee. Therefore, now put off thy ornaments from thee that I may know what to do unto thee. And the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by, by the Mount Horeb. And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp afar off from the camp. Yeah, they were defining this as a tabernacle that was pitched by Moses because whenever uh, people had problems, they mm -hmm. would come to Moses as an intercessor and uh, this is where he would meet them. But in this case, just keep reading. You'll see who's meeting them here. Mm -hmm. It was first a cloud. Read. Mm -hmm. And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp afar off from the camp and called it the meeting tent of the congregation. Mm -hmm. And it came to pass that everyone which sought Yahweh went out unto the meeting tent of the congregation, which was without the camp. 
So they all, this was without the camp. It wasn't a tabernacle that he was instructed to build in the midst of them, but this was away from them, but they could see it as it says in that um, literature there, read. Mm -hmm. And it came to pass when Moses went out unto the meeting tent that all of the people rose up and stood every man at his tent door and looked after Moses until he was gone until the tabernacle. So he went inside of this tent, read. Mm -hmm. And it came to pass, as Moses entered into the meeting tent, the cloudy, cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the meeting tent, and Yahweh talked with Moses. And all the people saw the cloudy, cloudy pillar stand at the meeting tent door. So all of these witnesses saw this mm -hmm. cloud, which was a pillar of fire at night and a cloud by day that mm -hmm. led them all the way up. In fact, 40 years, read. And all the people rose up and worshiped every man in his tent door. And Yahweh spake unto Moses face to face. Now this is Yahweh speaking to Moses face to face, read. Mm -hmm. as, as, a man, mm -hmm. as a man. As a man speaketh unto his friend. Mm -hmm. And he turned again into the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man departed not out of the meeting tent. So he didn't come out. That was Joshua who led them. That's now, right. Just get the 24th chapter of Joshua and read about the first four verses. And this will be parallel with who he is, this angel of Yahweh, who was Joshua. He was a cloud. He, he, was, he transfigured or transmuted himself when he was out here at this burning bush because he told Moses, Come now, therefore, not go down, Moses, because he was already down in Egypt. But this is the same angel that Moses was speaking with in the third chapter of Exodus. Read. That's Joshua 24. And Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers. And they presented themselves before Elohim. Now you hear that, that his... Joshua, who again, you all read all the way back about him where Moses wrote of him. He led them and he's called all of them. They reached up to Canaan of, of the promised land. That's where they were when he, they came to him because he was the leader after he had killed 31 kings on the west side of the Jordan and, 30, and two on the east of the Jordan. 33 kings that he killed. That made him king of kings back there, but he's going to declare himself. Uh, read. And Joshua said unto all the people, Thus said Yahweh Elohim of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nacor, and they served under other gods. And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood and led him throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied his seed and gave, Isaac, gave him Isaac. And I gave unto Isaac Jacob and Esau. And I gave unto Esau Mount Sarah to possess it. But Jacob and his children went down into Egypt. Now let's show him how when Moses... Um, was had a vision, he saw all these things. That's why he was able to write Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, because he was an eyewitness 
uh, being in a visionary position when he was up on top of Mount Sinai. But I just want to show he who says I had a personal pronoun. And he said, read that again, Shirley. Mm -hmm. uh, that is uh, the fourth verse. Mm -hmm. And I gave unto Isaac, Jacob, and Esau. And I gave unto Esau Mount Sarah to possess it. But Jacob and his children went down into Egypt. Now they were already, all of them were up in Canaan, man. There was a family, and I don't want to get to that, but just to show who he was. Keep reading. I sent Moses also in Aaron, and I plagued Egypt. Now he's plagued Egypt. Now those oh. 10 devastating plagues was him. He's declaring that he did it in his mission of restoring them back to where they came from. They already up in Canaan land, but after the found them 70 souls and Jacob, all his family, they went down there. They were down there for 400 some years uh, before they were delivered. So they already delivered out here and made it up to heaven through Yahshua, Joshua, the son of Nun. And he's talking to him, declaring who he is, who he was, and what he's done for him. Keep going. I sent Moses also in Aaron, and I plagued Egypt, according to that which I did among them, and afterward I brought you out. And I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came into the sea, and the Egyptians pursued after your fathers with chariots and horses. Now, this is Joshua, the son of Nun, Joshua, really the angel of Yahweh, telling them what he did back there in Egypt all the time. Read. Mm -hmm. And when they cried unto Yahweh, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and brought the sea upon them so and covered them. Right there when they went through the Red Sea, it was uh, fire and light to the Egyptians, but darkness, um, I mean, light to the uh, Israelites and darkness to the Egyptians. And he had that power to transmute or transform himself from, to a cloud. So when Moses says, stand still and see the salvation of Yahweh, Yahshua is the salvation of Yahweh. His name means salvation. So he says, see the salvation. That's in the 14th chapter of Exodus. But he is the one that guided them again as a cloud all those days. And then when they got up here fighting on this side of the Jordan, um, they took the land for, I think, Reuben and Gad and Manasseh that's on the east side of the Jordan. That was their inheritance, but they all went to fight when they went over to Jericho. And this is long after this. So Joshua was 40 years up here in Canaan land before he took off the flesh. And this is what he's telling them right before he took off the flesh, that he's the one that did everything for them. Let's read a couple more verses. Then I want uh, Genesis 12 and 1. And when they cried unto Yahweh, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians mm -hmm. and brought the sea upon them and covered them. And your eyes have seen what I have done in Egypt. And you dwelt in the wilderness a long season. So in that story, you can see that he caused them to go through on dry ground out of Egypt into the wilderness of Sinai. And then uh, some 40 years after leaving, he... Joshua, the same one that's speaking to Moses, well, reading right here to all the, talking to all the people, he caused the River Jordan to dry up, and they went through there on dry land to the promised land. Mm -hmm. uh, another thing he did was tell the sun, sun stand still. In other words, he had the power of all the elements because 
he's the one that created everything. Yeah? All things were created by him and for him, as one scripture says. But to go back and I want to pick up to why we all have to have confidence. And that's why the law and the prophets are so key to being witnesses to the true gospel of Yahshua Messiah because they were like in a death state, buried in it, and they were resurrected here, there, and then also up here. But uh, where it all started was that um, Hebrews 6 chapter say that uh, two mutable things, Yahweh just can't lie. So here he's speaking with Abraham, Genesis 12 and 1. That's Genesis 12 and 1. Mm -hmm. Now Yahweh had said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. Now you see in that 24th chapter of Joshua talked about the same thing, that's mm -hmm. the land. And this was way before any of this happened. So you know who this is, this uh, Yahweh speaking. In other words, he has the power mm -hmm. of transmutation. And um, here again, uh, one thing that he told those scribes and Pharisees they, when he was in the form of Yahshua Messiah, he said, take this uh, body, I have the power to raise it up again. So then right. in the scriptures say, he resurrected again according to the scriptures. So that's what he was resurrecting and resurrecting because after he raised Lazarus from the dead and Martha came to him, she said, I am the resurrection, not a resurrection, but the resurrection. And so he has that power. And so here he's given Abraham, making a covenant with him, really. Read, get thee out of here, Abraham, because mm -hmm. his dad, Terah, and all of them were pagan worships. Everybody in the world were pagan worships. Mm -hmm. Read. Second verse. And I will make, I'm sorry, and I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee and make thy name great, mm -hmm. and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee. Mm -hmm. And in thee shall all families. All, all, not some just Jew and Gentile, but all, all the nations, everybody will be blessed. In other words, and this is Yahweh who can't lie. That's right. They've given out that blessing to Abraham, see? It ain't going to come through you, Abraham, but through your loins. You and Gentile with uh, Isaac and, and uh, Ishmael. But just read that one more and then drop down to seven. And, uh, read. Oh, oh, okay, um, third verse. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse of thee. And mm -hmm. in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Now that's where we have to see where our inheritance is. In other words, and we as Gentiles, we weren't a part of the family, so we were adopted at Cornelius' house when the Holy Spirit was poured out when preacher Peter spoke to uh, at Cornelius' house, and that was seven years after the uh, Jews received the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. So drop down to seven and uh, go to 10. Genesis 12 and seven. And Yahweh appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. Mm -hmm. And there builded he an altar unto Yahweh, who appeared unto him. Do you want me to read all the way to 10 or go straight? Yes, yeah, read up to 10. Yeah. 
eighth verse. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and high on the east. And there he builded an altar unto Yahweh. Now see, Abraham was up here, really in, in a sense, him and his father and his sister who became his wife, Sarah, they were up in Canaan land or east of Canaan land, Haran, which is now um, close to Turkey. But anyway, here's uh, what happened and that Yahweh is telling them he was up there. So he had to come down. In other words, he's already in the heavenly place, but he had to first have children and they have children. And then the children of Jacob, who became the children of Israel by four different women and they were the ones that multiplied down here in Egypt and were uh, chosen to go to a Canaan or to heaven. Now, out of all of them that were down there, there was 603, 550 men between the ages of 20 and 50, and they each had to have a brother, sister, mother, some father, but about two to three million people that left out of Egypt, and only those that were obedient, made it across, and there was four, it was mentioned um, just a couple of weeks in one of the class, one of the uh, sisters from uh, Detroit uh, pointed out that there were four that's in the textbook, uh, Joshua, Caleb, uh, Eleazar, and Phineas, I think those were the four that crossed over. They, everybody else out here of fighting age died. And so this was the heaven that was promised all the way back here to Abraham. And so some 430 years later, 434, possibly 470 years, that's when Joshua, the son of Nun, declared that he did everything for them. He sent Moses, I mean, sent Abraham down, brought Abraham and all these people out of pagan worship and took them. Um, they were in Canaan. They left Haran when Abraham was 75. And then he later went on and uh, had Isaac and Ishmael in Canaan land. So just pick up where you just left off and uh, I'll continue from there. Just trying okay. to get them up to show you who's who and it's always been Yahweh and his two manifestations. Read. I'll you start did. the eighth verse over. Okay. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and high on the east. Mm -hmm. And there he built an altar unto Yahweh. And now that's in, actually in Canaan land. They had crossed over the River Jordan. So at that point, Abraham and his family, in other words, to get over west bank of Jordan River, that's considered uh, the area which uh, the capital, Samaria, Sechem, and all of them were Sychem, some people pronounce it, but keep reading. Sorry, and called upon the name of Yahweh, and Abram journeyed going on toward the south. And there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. Okay, I just wanted to show that he did actually was in Canaan and then came down. Now go over to, uh, oh, I think the Romans, Romans uh, 8 and 15. 
And uh, this is so important for us to know and understand who we are, to be able to have ears to hear, eyes to see the true gospel of Yahshua the Messiah. So that's so critical. And don't have doubt if you know anything that's been revealed to you in coming to these classes. And if you continue to come, I guarantee you, you will have revolutionary thoughts in your heart and mind because he will prove himself to you. So this is what all of us that are children of Yahweh, we want to understand this, that we were really adopted, particularly since the majority of us are Gentiles, were not born as bred as Jews, that they got the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, and then seven years later, again, it was given to the Gentile, um, and they were grafted in by faith. And then looking at all the seven ages and dispensation that show you, and up until Yahshua Messiah, everything was by law, or in other words, to be right, you had to be right, and if you failed to be right, you had to offer up a sacrifice to atone for the wrong that you did. So uh, Paul is writing over here about those adopted ones. Read 8, 8 and 15, Romans 8 and 15. That's Romans 8 and 15. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby mm -hmm. we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself bear witness, excuse me, the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we mm -hmm. are the children of Yahweh. Well, you see that? That goes back to the Abrahamic promise that you adopted. You know, you're not born a Jew and fulfilling that promise that he would bless everybody, all men on earth to receive. But first, you got to learn, know, and understand and believe the truth and righteousness and not in unrighteousness. So then the same spirit, go to 23, 823. And not only they, but ourselves also which have the first fruits of the spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. Well, that's what we all waiting for now. In other words, you um, spirit, soul, and body. And like uh, Paul wrote to the Corinthians, what know you not your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which have a Yahweh, and you're not his, your own, so bless him, I'm paraphrasing, in your spirit and your body, which are his. So mm -hmm. we belong to him. So if he's given us an understanding of these mysteries, then you're a son. Okay, Galatians 4 and 4 and 5. That's Galatians 4 and 4. Start at 4 and 5. Are you there when the fullness of time has come? Is that in Galatians? Mm hmm um i don't what okay um, oh yes that's galatians four and four but when the fullness of the time was come yahweh sent forth his son made of a woman made subject to the law to redeem them that were under the law now so he's gonna save those jews that was under law because they couldn't keep the law it was impossible 613 things 10 of them commandments, uh, one of the laws of circumcision and the law of the Sabbath made it impossible for anyone to keep the law of sin and death because it, and Yahshua even pointed that out when they were challenging him 
I don't know what it is, but at any rate, I'm not trying to prove that, but just in the scriptures where he actually spells out that if a person is born on Friday and his eighth day of his birth, after his birth comes on that Saturday or the Sabbath makes eight days hence, what do you do? Do you circumcise him or do you defy or deny the law of the Sabbath? So either way, you would break one or the other. And anytime you broke the law, you had to atone that with a sacrifice. So uh, that's the fullness of time come when he took away the old and established the new, like the new covenant. I don't want to get to that now, but just keep reading where you're at. But when the fullness of time was come, Yahweh sent forth his son, made of a woman, made subject to the law, to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. Okay, that's good there now. Um, since we know that we've been adopted and we were not heirs according to being a Jew, but the uh, Gentiles were grafted in by faith. So just wanna show the mystery, uh, give Ephesians one and five. That's Ephesians 1 and 5. And go all the way to 9. Having predestinated us until the now, adoption. predestinated. You see, this was all thought up before the beginning of time. Who's going to be saved? Who's going to go to the lake of fire? So if you're in one of these classes and you know and hear the truth and you take heed to that and be diligently to continue to study, Learn, know, and understand all that you can, because we definitely will need it. And so Paul, just over and over, and I'm uh, epitomizing a lot of this. Okay, don't have time to go into the detail, but we're predestinated. Read that again, Sean. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Yahshua Messiah to himself. You see that we've got to be adopted. In other words, to come into this understanding, knowledge. Those divine attributes, wisdom, knowledge, intelligence, mm -hmm. love, beauty, justice, foundation, power, and strength, all those are physical, but they have spiritual contents with Yahweh being spirit and everything in the whole universe abides within him. So if you within him, and from the beginning, at the end, you want to go back into and with him. But read. According to the good pleasure of his will. Mm -hmm to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he have made us accepted in the beloved. But we're saved by grace through faith. In other words, he loved us and he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to redeem us from the law of sin and death that we didn't have to participate in. But when there's no law, you still have to be righteous in the sight of, of Yahweh, Read. Right? in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, mm -hmm. wherein he have abounded toward, toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. That, so in, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in the Messiah. Everything. Both. You see, that's how he said before, everything back to him, everything came out of him. 
In other words, he's the ruler of the whole universe. He's created everything in the universe. Right. So it has a return to the source, substance, mm -hmm. limited bounds of everything. Mm -hmm. Is that all of that? On no. Both which are in heaven and which are in earth, even in him. So everything's got to return back to him. Now get up. Romans 8 and 29. That's Romans 8 and 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. So you see how we predestinate? In other words, we already chosen. In other words, that's where in John 15, 50, I think say, you don't, we didn't choose, we didn't choose him, but he chose us. That's right. It's such a blessing to be in part of this divine teaching, mm. you know, which we have learned the mystery of the truth, which was previously hidden. In other words, even those, if we even in the scriptures, Paul writes about it, uh, I think it's Romans 16th chapter, but read what you have here now. Mm -hmm. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Mm -hmm. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. So he's and justifying us. He called us. In other words, you see, we didn't stumble upon this. So we say, well, so-and-so about me, and, mm -hmm. and uh, that's how I got into class. No, he chose you. That's right. You know, he chose every one of us. And I'm so glad that he chose me because I was definitely on the wrong course. Studying everything would never come into an understanding. Now I can hold fast to that as good and true and righteous. But get uh, Romans 16, 25, I believe. That's Romans 16 and 25. Now to him that is of power to establish you, According to now, my so God. Now, can establish you. In other words, not only say, well, I don't really believe this or that. If you have any doubt, just let go. In other words, um, no hands and let him guide you. Now, I'm just going to paraphrase something I experienced in life. I used to be uh, fly single engine planes. And uh, when I was in training, uh, one of the exercises you had to learn to do was to do stalls. That's on a propeller plane with one blade that's turning. So stall means that you need to have the power off. Another way you do that by accident is to point the nose up and the plane will, the engine will stop running and you just be a glider. So the recovery for that is to let go. And so I, I never will forget, I was in a stall practice and the guy that was training me, he pulled the stick back on the plane, the plane shut off, he said, now what do you do to recover? And I grabbed it and say, no, just let go, let the plane come back. In other words, it'll become a glider straight and level in flight. So if I didn't have the fear that I had then, I would have tried to hold on, but I know now that anything you do in life, if you let go and let Yahshua guide you, you're gonna come back to straight and level. And throughout, that's been many years ago, 
And since coming in this class, all of the endearments and tragedies I've had in my life, when I just put my trust and faith in Yahshua, he always delivered because he's the only true intercessor. And uh, I'll just get a couple more scriptures, but read 25 and 26 okay. in Romans 16, 25, 26. Yes. Now to him that is of power to establish you, according to my gospel and the preaching of Yahshua the Messiah, according to the revelation of the mystery, which now, was- you see the gospel, there's so much in that. Gospel is his death, burial, resurrection, and he raised again the third day according to the law and the prophets. So here, uh, that's been repeated, but in a paraphrased version. Read. Mm -hmm. Which was kept secret since the world began. It's not secret. They didn't, people think you got to do some. All those Trinitarian Catholics, oh. about two billion of them, thinking it's a Trinity, dead mm -hmm. wrong, and that's they right. will fight you or fight to the death trying to keep a hold on to the Trinity and have no proof that there ever been a Trinity. Can't find it in the Bible, read. But now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting Elohim, made wow. known to all nations for the obedience of faith. Okay, well, give me um, 1 Corinthians 2, 7 to 10 and Colossians. Uh, two and two, and I'll be down. That's Second Corinthians two. You said in seven. Yes. Okay. Second Corinthians two and seven. First Corinthians. Yes. Two and seven. Excuse me. But we speak the wisdom of Yahweh, hidden in a mystery. Now he is Mister Wisdom because that's one of his divine attributes. So and you see wisdom in that words throughout the Bible, but mm -hmm. knowledge all in the triad of the most holy place or the pyramid of the who's on top. Those first three intelligent wisdom knowledge. There's another lecture though, but read. But we speak the wisdom of Yahweh hidden in a mystery, which Yahweh hath ordained before the ages unto our now, glory. All of this stuff we see, it was planned by Yahweh before the world even exists. Everything you read in the law and the testimony before the world existed. So just read that one more time. Mm -hmm. But we speak the wisdom of Yahweh hidden in a mystery, which Yahweh hath ordained before the ages unto our glory. And we understand the ages and dispensation, but you go to a preacher, a prophet, they can't tell you nothing about ages and dispensation. Read. Which none of the rulers of this age knew. Nobody knew it, even the previous ages and up until this age. Mm -hmm. For had they known it, they would have not. Even the, the Savior on a cross and right. crucified him, mm -hmm. but that was his purpose mm -hmm. to save all men. In other words, but, but that's another lecture too, but keep going. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the king of glory. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which Elohim hath prepared for them that love him. So you love him, the two commandments, love Yahweh with all your heart and mind and love your neighbor 
-hmm. you would love yourself. I think those are the way that they asked Yahshua. Mm -hmm. The greatest commandments, and he told them, says, two, one is like the other. Love Yahweh first, then love your neighbor as yourself. So it's, that's what is a commandment to us. And are you the 10 yet? I'm at 10 right now. Okay, keep going. And then go to Colossians 2 and 2, and I'm down. 10th verse. But Yahweh hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things. Yea, the deep things of Yahweh. So that's Yahweh's spirit. And we know that there's a mystery in it, but yet we've been shown these mysteries. So we ought to be extremely thankful and extremely feeling blessed for all that we have. No riches on earth can compare with the knowledge that they've given to us in these classes. Get Colossians 2 and 2. Colossians 2 and 2, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of Yahweh See, and of the Father. <laughs> and like again, when they ask him, say, what's the two greatest thing we do? Say, love. So he's just saying it, repeating it again. And I'm so thankful to be a part of this teaching, part of this gospel because it has made my life pleasant to know that I have something better than anything I've ever had in my life, as that is Yahshua the Messiah in my heart and mind. With those few words, I'd like to thank the class. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Dr. Yule, for that beautiful testimony. And for our next speaker, it's an honor and pleasure to call on the Dean of the Southfield class, Dr. Marvin Lewis. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, I want to start off by saying that um, I consider it a great blessing to be able to have anything to say about our Heavenly Father as he really is and as he actually exists. And oftentimes it requires that we go back and examine our state and condition that we were in uh, prior to being a part or being exposed to this great vision and revelation and the process, which the vision and revelation is the process that our heavenly father Yahweh has always used to introduce himself or to make man conscious of his ever presence. And we had no idea about the creator, how he really was and actually existed and what his purpose, his plan and the pattern that he used to differentiate himself from every other carnal thought that pierced our mind. See, Yahweh has proven to be above and beyond our ability to grasp his power and his nature and what his purpose is for the creation, as well as what its purpose is for us. See, just no one knew that. Though it required that Yahweh himself had to come down and manifest in the flesh and take us by the hand like little children and bring us along and exercise extreme patience because of our high level of ignorance due to our self 
imposed statutes or status of intellect that we're supposed that we think that we should have in order to be considered intelligent or superior to one another. Now we've made statements before, like what's what's in a name? We never stop to think and realize that everything is in the name. That's your identity, your character. It's an explanation of you. It's an explanation of what your hopes are, what your desires are. So when you think about a name, it's extremely important. Isn't your name important to you? You don't walk around and go any place and say, anybody call me whatever you want to call me and I'm going to answer because I'm such a gracious and a good person. No, you're pretty adamant about your name. And I remember when I first came to this school, I used to always think, the, the, the first few times I was here, I said, why do they keep harping on the name? I always thought that they were just trying to prove themselves right. Because who does not like to be right? In particular, when it's a so-called intellectual conversation that's being involved. And many of us have gone to blows just to support ourselves that we're right and someone else is wrong. See, that ego that, uh, that we all have. But then we come to realize, see, that the name, your name has value. And listen, at this school, see, we do stress and go about to prove the power that is in that name of the Savior. Now, my name, Marvin, ain't worth nothing. Because this is how you know that. Walk in the bank and say your name is whatever it is, and you need $100,000 and you will pay it back as soon as you can and see how long you stand there before somebody comes in and, and arrests you with a badge. That's right. <laughs> see, you can't do that. So your name doesn't have power like that. See, but now if there's a name that had any power, wouldn't you think that who the world calls Jesus? See, wouldn't you think that he would know who it was or what that name was? Now, I want you to get me the scripture where it's Yahshua, who the world calls Jesus Christ, whose true name is Yahshua, who is the Messiah. See, he's talking to Yahweh the Father, and he says, I have declared your name. Get that for me, please. That and he is... says, go ahead. You got it? Yes. That's now, John... pick it up and get the train of thought a little bit for me, Okay. Okay, I'll start this at one, John 17 and one. These words spake Yahshua and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. Now watch this. Now Yahweh, he's asking Yahweh to, to, to glorify him because his presence and the deed that he's about to accomplish in that physical body on this earth plane, see, is a blessing from Yahweh, and it's a major event. It afforded us our salvation. Up until then, we were all dead and lost and headed for the depths of hell. Yeah, that's right. That's just the cold, hard facts, folks, whether it reaches your intellectual level or not. Mm -hmm. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, 
that he should give eternal life to as many as thou has given him. Now watch, watch this. Now that's where eternal life is coming from. Eternal life is not coming through your intellect, your intelligence, and your knowledge of what mankind says to each other. That's right. It shows how intelligent they are. See, eternal life comes from the son whose true name is Yahshua, and there's no debate about it. And don't you ever say again, it makes no difference what you call it. That's right. It makes a difference what they call you, don't it? That's right. Mm -hmm. See? And we go around here and try to plead with people to get them to understand that, and they make statements like this. You're harping on the name too much. Don't you harp on your name? Mm -hmm. Let somebody call you out of your name and see how you go and say, oh, it don't make no difference. It, uh, I don't care what you call me. Right. I know you. I know your intentions are good. That's not the way you feel. No. You're very defensive and adamant about being somebody respecting your name, and you ain't got two nickels to rub together. Mm. That's right. So, folks, we just listen, folks. They call hard facts. We just need a savior. Mm -hmm. We don't have it in us to be able to elevate ourselves to the conscious awareness of the power of the creator. We just can't do it. And we can't please him because we don't know him. Mm -hmm. Now, how would you please somebody with a gift and you don't know what they want? <laughs> but here's what we do. We just go get anything and give it to somebody and say, well, they weren't very excited about it. I went through all that and gave them that, and they acted like it was no big thing. Well, yeah, I, asked the, I acted like that necktie was no big thing because I already got 50 of them. So, see, we want people to do what we want to do. We think that Yahweh's like that. Oh, no. See, you are going to be obedient and obey what the Creator says, whether you like it or not. And for those of us that are steadfast in our refusal to accept the truth, there's a price to be paid. Just like in real life. See, you don't, you don't, you find you a job, okay? And then go to that job and do what you want to do instead of what the job wants you to do. Then you let me know how that works out for you. See, it's not going to work out. You have to do what's necessary for you to do in order to be pleasing to the person that runs that business. And you're doing that for your livelihood. That's just an example of pleasing the father for eternal life. It doesn't change just because you flip it to the spirit. It doesn't change because now you're no longer a teenager that don't know nothing. You're a grown up adult and you still don't know nothing. You still don't know and understand that there's no such name as Jesus Christ, no J, no Jesus. Mm -hmm. But now your intellect show you how intelligent we are. Our intelligent intellect just blocked that right out of our brain. No J, no Jesus. We could not accept that concept. It didn't even ring into our high IQ until Yahshua himself just replaced that J with Yahshua. Just got it out of your brain. <laughs> And you just turned around one day and looked up. And some of us, it was a while later before we be, became a part of sitting in front and listening and being taught from this vision and revelation. Mm 
which Yahweh has always taught like this. Every book in your Bible, the person that's writing that book, they start out with, and the spirit came to me, or I was shown something. They didn't never sit down and say, I sat down and figured this thing out, and I deduced this, and I Sherlock Holmes on this, and I did so-and-so on that, and I did Mrs. Marple on this, and I came to this conclusion. None of them said that. None of them, they said I was either knocked down in my tracks and I was forced to witness and accept the truth of the matter. That's the same thing that has to happen to us, folks. Mm -hmm. You're not going to coax this out of Yahweh. You're not going to bargain with your creator for That's eternal right. life. Right. See, you are not going to do such good deeds that you earn yourself a chair in front of the pearly gates in the first row or second row. That's right. See, now go ahead. Don't happen like that, folks. And you know it doesn't. And you're just hoping it happens like that because you know none of us are worthy of being saved. None of them. Mm -hmm. Not no, not even the mothers of the church. That's mm -hmm. right. Because if they thought they were worthy to be saved, they wouldn't have to go to church every Sunday, be begging and praying. That's like we all did. Mm -hmm. See, because our concept was just way off. Now, I want you to go back and get to the scriptures. I want to talk about some things that I've been hearing that's been going on. See, and I'm nobody to straighten anything out. Don't get me wrong. But I do have confidence in Yahshua, through Yahweh, that this teaching has the ability and has been proven to resurrect you from a dead state. Mm -hmm. See, it's the ability to convert your carnal mind to a spiritual mind. Mm -hmm. To a spiritual appreciation of the power of Yahweh and what he has in store for his sons. Mm -hmm. It's all the ridicule from the world all the naysaying, all the gainsaying, it makes it worth it. And I'm going to tell you, you can't, I don't care what you say or how you say it, you cannot affect the son to the point that he will deny that Yahweh is the father and Yahshua the Messiah is your savior. That's mm -hmm. right. I don't deny that. That's right. We might lose your friendship, but we lose our souls over your friendship. That's right. Right. See, that's just the cold hard fact. Wait, that's the way it is, folks, and you know that. Mm -hmm. Now, we don't want all of us at one time or another we're walking around here in the same shape that everyone out there in the world is. Mm -hmm. See, about this and our intellect about that. And we know this and we know that. And then all of us admit to ourselves first. No, I'll put it like this. We had to admit to Yahweh first through Yahshua. Then we had to admit to ourselves that we were wrong. Mm -hmm. Then we had to admit to each other that we were wrong about it. We had to do all of that admitting before we could have a true testimony. Yahweh and the, be able to accept his son, Yahshua Messiah, as our Savior. You have to 
that you were wrong about some things. Right. Mm -hmm. And you're either going to admit it now or you're going to admit it later. Because me personally, I know, I remember when I first came in touch with this vision and revelation and this teaching. And I fought it and twisted and turned, see, and knuckled down on everything they said. See, bounced up with every thought I had that I thought was a high level intellectual position to take. And it was the simplicity of the teaching and the profound knowledge how Yahweh has always operated with mankind through visions and revelations that caused me to be humble. Now, you notice I didn't say humble myself. We don't have the ability to humble ourselves. We have what we call an EGO. And we can't suppress our own ego. Somebody has to suppress it for you. And that has to be Yahweh through Yahshua Messiah, or else you'll continue making statements about, I know this and I know that. You don't even know how to breathe like you should. That's why you got to go to your respiratory physician. Mm-hmm. You ever stop to think that if we were so intelligent and high-minded, see, to be dictating and pointing out where somebody else is wrong, if we knew if we were that intelligent, why do we have so many illnesses? Why do we do things that defeat our own physical body? Mm-hmm. We go about with our high intellect to dis- do stuff to destroy ourselves. That don't sound like a very smart person to me, does it? Mm-hmm. You. So listen, folks, we all need to say, get the, get the scripture reading for me and start with it over mm-hmm. there. You don't want me to continue nine seventeen. We're done with that one. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead and do that first. I don't want to just jump around and leave it hanging out there. Okay, this is John seventeen and three. I'm gonna read up to six where it talks about declaring thy name. Go ahead. And this is life eternal that they might know that thou only art the true El and Yahshua the Messiah whom thou hast sent. Now stop right there. Mm -hmm. Now it says. This is life eternal. Mm-hmm. Your intellect. <laughs> no. Your IQ. No, not at all. What you think. Mm-hmm. How do you feel? What your grandmama taught you. <laughs> Read that again. And so we'll get this straight right from the right from the word go. And then we won't be any debates about this stuff. That's right. Either you fall in line or you fall out of line. Don't make any difference to us. Mm-hmm. Read. And this is life eternal, that they might know that thou only art the true El and Yahshua, the Messiah, whom thou has sent. Now, you have to know that. Right. You can't just say, well, that could be possible. Mm-mm. So the way you get to know something is you have to research it. You have to deep down, dig down into it. Mm-hmm. You have to get into the essence of it. And the essence being the whatever the power that's in anything is the essence of it. 
That's the essential part of it that makes it effective. That's right. So you have to investigate. And listen, you should have questions. When you sit in front of this vision and you hear some of the things we say, you should have questions. Mm -hmm. It is a direct opposite of the thing you've been told and taught all your life. Mm -hmm. And here's how we know that. Because of the things you say. Right. You are diametrically opposed. The physical carnal mind is diametrically opposed to the spiritual mind. Mm -hmm. They're like oil and water. They do not mix. Mm -hmm. You, It's impossible to say you have a spiritual mind when you're saying carnal things. That's right. Like it don't make no difference what you call it. That's a lie, and you know it is. Mm. You let me walk up and call you a nappy-headed little punk. <laughs> See how you like, like that? That's right. And the first thing probably gonna come out of your mouth, that ain't my name. Don't be calling me that. So a name is important. Everything in the universe has a name. Everything has a name. And how do you think you look and you feel when you're trying to describe something to somebody and you don't know the name of it? Mm -hmm. And you, well, you know, it's got like this on the guy. And they look at you like, huh? And then after a while, after you do that for a while, then you say, I feel so stupid not being able to know the name. See, so not knowing the name makes you look stupid with your high IQ. Now, it's like that for a reason. It's like that. It's one of the myriad ways that the creator has used to prove himself to you and what his purpose and how it affects you. Mm -hmm. Whatever, whichever way you turn, you are going to be faced with the truth. You can't dodge it forever. That's right. And the truth is this. No J, no Jesus. Now go home and sit down. And That's get you right. And see what the creator's name was. Before there was a J in any language. There was no J in any language. On this earth. Mm -mm. Until some 1400 years. After the Messiah's death. Called right. Jesus. When he was walking around. And 1500 years after he was put into the grave. They never called him Jesus. Now, part of the moderation in this organization, and Madam Moderator, will you express that moderate, what says to, uh, uh, this is life eternal? Mm -hmm. Now, get that scripture for me, please. I think I'm, the, even a moderator said the simple yet intelligent. Recite that, please, for me, Madam Moderator. That ain't. Or the next no. part of the moderation. Mm -hmm. So the simple yet intelligent question that we should all ask ourselves is, what was the name of the Savior during the time that he walked the earth plane? Mm -hmm. Thank you. Now, I want to just be truthful with you. I never thought to ask myself that until I sat up there and heard a moderator say it. Mm-hmm. And then it took me having to listen to them for a hundred times before I realized what they were saying. 
the simplicity of it. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to ask you to be honest with yourself. Have you ever asked yourself that? I never did. No. See, it was sitting in front of this vision. That's right. Look at the chart that you're looking at right now before I was told that, and it finally sunk in. Mm. And when I realized the simplicity of that and the power of that question, that shut down all my other so-called intellectual statements. Mm-hmm. Well, God don't care what you call him. Who said that? That's right. Who's in that Bible? Who said that in the Bible? Find me who said it. Right. You're smart enough to say it. You ought to be smart enough to find it. That's right. Now, of course, you won't find it because it does, it's not in there. It doesn't say that. And I don't care what any minister, any preacher says. It don't make any difference what you call them. They, go, they don't have any book on it. You don't even have a prayer book on it. You don't even have a, a, a speech on it. You can't even point to a speech. So this what happens is all that, that foolishness has to go out the window, folks. It just has to go out the window. Now you do as you want. See? Now you can stick with your intellect, with your reasoning, and let your ego send you straight to hell. Oh. Now you just help yourself. Because what's going to happen is we are all are going to have to answer for what we've done in this life. Mm. You're going to have to answer for it. And so now it's time to prepare yourself having to be judged. And if we're still running around here trying to do this and do that and trying to appear to be this and appear to be that, And we know we're not a whole lot of anything to do. See, in any intellect you got, you always show it, give it to you to make you make you look good. What well, intellect you do have, he gave you to prove himself <laughs> to you and everybody else in this creation. Now go over there and get me. I asked you for another scripture. I believe it was the scripture for the day uh, in Exodus. Is that where we're at? Yes, that's Exodus, the 33rd chapter, Uh, Exodus 33 and 1. And Yahweh spoken to Moses, depart and go up hence, thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt, unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, unto thy seed will I give it. Now that's a promise that Yahweh made to the children of Israel, to Abraham. See, the father of all nations. See, he told Abraham that I will bless your seed. Go ahead and read. And I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Pezzarite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Now, you see that? Now, the previous speaker, the president, just talked about that angel. See, and up until we came and sat in front of this vision, we had no idea who that angel was. Right. Some of us thought it was Michael. Some of us thought it was Gabriel. Some of us didn't even believe in angels. 
So we had no clue. We were just reading around in the Bible, putting our finger on things and making statements like that and trying to make a two-hour sermon out of it and didn't have a clue what we were talking about. See? So now we come down and sit in front of this vision of revelation, see, that was given to the founder and of this school from Yahweh himself. And now we know who that angel was. See, read on. And we're going to get in there to discuss this angel and prove that, listen, he was right under your nose and you had no clue to who he was. Mm -hmm. Read. Unto a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a, a stiff-necked people, least I consume thee in the way. Mm -hmm. See, and because you're not going to act right, because see, I know what you're going to do, because I know what's in you. Right. See, and you just gonna make me so upset that I might call this thing off and go get me another group of folks. See, now this is the, this is the creator himself. This is Yahweh talking to that Hebrew nation. See, that he chose to manifest and show his purpose through. Now we have people walking around here thinking because they are of a particular religious persuasion or group, or because they're Hebrew, that there's something special. No, Yahweh just chose this stiff-necked people to show his power. It was absolutely nothing they or we or you or anyone has done to make them worthy of Yahweh revealing his self and his purpose and manifesting in the, in the flesh as Yahshua the Messiah to deliver you from death, hell, and the grave in your ignorance. There's nothing anyone done to deserve for him to do that. Mm. And he's saying it right there. You said to stiff-necked people, I'm not going up there with you because I'll see you acting a fool and I'll, I'll cut you down. Read. And when the people heard these evil tidings, they mourned, moaned, and no man did put on him his ornaments. Yeah, they were scared then. They were worried at some time. We thought you got us because we were something special. Now you tell us we ain't nothing. Read. For Yahweh has said unto Moses, say unto the children of Israel, ye are stiff-necked people. I will come <laughs> up into the midst of thee in a moment and consume thee. Therefore now put off thy ornaments from thee that I may know what to do unto thee. Right. You don't be, you're, you're trying to adorn yourself to show you're something. See, the only thing that makes, the only adornment that makes us anything is the adornment or the being placed on or having the Holy Spirit placed in you. That's, that's right. the only adornment you're always happy with. That's right. See, that's what has to manifest. Right. All your glitter and gold and robes and singing and, and, and uh, speaking in tongues. That don't mean nothing. Mm. Yahweh is not looking for that. That's a figment of a carnal-minded man. That's right. That think I'm going to worship the creator. You don't even know how. The children of Israel, he chose and delivered them from death, hell, and the grave through the potted waters of the Red Sea. So when they saw Yahweh doing that, guess what they started thinking? They started thinking they were something. Mm. Must be something about us, he likes. Must be something he liked about us. Look how he blessed me. I got a new car, nice house. People like me. I got a lot of friends. I'm doing good. 
Mm. God must be pleased with me. Mm. Well, you know God ain't pleased with no egos and no robbing and stealing and lying and cheating to get where you're at. Mm. Now, you know Yahweh's not pleased with that. We know within ourselves. Right. With our own hearts and minds, the things we've done and the things that we have hidden from the world, that Yahweh is not pleased with that. So that ought to make us come to this conclusion. We just can't please Yahweh. So Yahweh, through Yahshua, had to forgive us. He had to overlook our ignorance, our stupidity, our high-mindedness, our hell bent on going to hell. Some of us were just, we couldn't, we couldn't get to hell fast enough by some of the things we've done. And some of us are still being cleaned up. And if you don't think that's true, just look around you. Why are you in these classes? But thanks be to Yahweh through Yahshua the Messiah. So he has made a way for us out. There is hope. And this genuine hope that we can be cleaned up even against our own, in spite of ourselves, we can be cleaned up. Right. But there's a method and a plan that Yahweh chose in order to do that. And what we're saying to you here, if you're a recent person looking in or listening in on these lectures, or if you've never done it before, this is the place where you get it done. Yes, so everything that you have done Everything in your life that you are regretful for, everything in your life that you think I should have done it different. This is the process by which Yahweh has always used to clean us up. Because in order to be a part of that heavenly host at the instantaneous revelation of Yahshua the Messiah, we have to be without spot, and without blemish. So it's from the washing of regeneration, which is the preaching of the gospel, the explanation, the explaining of the vision and revelation that Yahweh has always given, how you become pleasing in his eyesight. That's what places you in the body. in the body of Yahshua Messiah, which is the only one, the only body that Yahshua, that Yahweh at the instantaneous revelation is going to recognize. So if you want to be saved, you have to be in the body of Yahshua Messiah. That's right. And how are you going to be in the body of Yahshua Messiah and you don't even know his name and you won't let nobody tell you his name because of your intellect. because of our high-minded intellect, and most of us know we couldn't even pass a test to get a job. But yet we think we're intelligent enough to make profound statements. And some of our most profound statements make us look like the biggest fools you've ever seen. I'm telling you folks, we need help. Somebody needs to dig us out of the ditch we've placed ourselves in. See? And nobody had to trick us to get us in there. We were born with a carnal mind. 
and give me the scripture because it's in the book. I know I'm still dealing with Exodus, but I want you to get the scripture where it says a carnal mind is a terrible thing. And I don't know exactly where it's at. I believe it's Romans 8. Right, read if you find it. Okay, that's Romans 8, eight and, six. and 7. I'll go to 6. This is Romans okay. 8 and 6. For to be carnally minded is death. Now to be carnally minded is death. Mm -hmm. Now what's carnally minded? Carnal is the physical. You can't think of nothing past your butt. Your, your mind is always focused on your physical things. Right. What can I get? What can I do? What do I think? How do I feel? Just carnal minded things. Things you that's see, right. touch, feel. That's all you can deal with. You can't elevate yourself beyond that. Mm -hmm. so what has to happen is Yahweh the creator himself has to send somebody to come and get you that's right now he sent Yahshua the Messiah into the world mm -hmm. to deliver them disciples see so now Yahshua the Messiah is doing the same thing Yahweh does not he said, listen the book says this and if you want me to get it I'll get it for you it says, I'm Yahweh and I change not. That's right. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. So mm -hmm. Yahweh said, I be, he's the same today as yesterday and forever. That's how Yahweh is. He don't change. He's not like us. Today, our favorite color is black. And then next week, the favorite color is yellow. <laughs> Orange is the new black. See, we subscribe to all that kind of foolishness. Orange is not black. But we broke our necks to get home to watch that show. <laughs> I'm telling you, folks, mm -hmm. there's a reason we're like we are. There's a reason we need a Savior. <laughs> mm -hmm. You don't have to go out and murder anybody to need a Savior. <laughs> right. That's right. You don't have to do that. All you have to do it just keep on doing your foolish things. Keep on saying it don't make no difference what you call them. Mm -hmm. Now you need to say because you obviously don't know there is one. <laughs> we don't even know his name, folks. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't know him if you walked up to us and punched us in the face. So <laughs> it's not funny, but you have to when you think about the state that you were in, you have to laugh to keep them crying. That's right. See? That's right. <laughs> so how bad you is. We're not making fun of people. <laughs> we're really laughing about our own stupidity. Mm -hmm. And because now we're so thankful that it's behind us and that we have recognized it and accepted our own lack of understanding and knowledge. That's right. And that's one of the first things you have to do you can't learn anything until you admit to yourself you don't know everything. That's right. Mm -hmm. And when we admit that we don't know everything, then we stop acting like we know everything. And we stop being, we start being more receptive to change, improvement, differentiating between my carnal mind, which is, means nothing to anybody but me, and a spiritual mind which will afford me salvation see a spiritual mind does this see a spiritual mind to say why does the sun rise and set mm. every day 
a carnal mind will try to explain it. <laughs> and don't have a clue to why it does that. Well, the reason it rises is because the Earth is rotating, not Mars, and Mars has a gravitational pull on it, and the moon shows up because the gravitational pull, blah, 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 blah. And then they say, at the end of that explanation, watch, watch public TV for <laughs> some of the scientific stuff. At the end of that explanation, then the person invariably says, well, that's my theory. Well, you know, theory means unproven, unproven facts. So you're stating something as a fact that you haven't proved. So your theory is no better than the next person's theory. Neither one of y'all can prove anything. That's the same thing that happened. In, why do you think we have this, we adopt this attitude with religion when we're in the world? Well, you got your religion and I got my religion and we all want to meet in heaven all happily together. Get your Bible and find me where it says that. I'll wait. What are you oh, looking I'm for again? I got to be back to work tomorrow. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dr. Lewis. What are you looking for again? I said, find me in the Bible where it says, you got your belief and I got my belief and we'll <laughs> all be together in heaven. It's not there. <laughs> you can find it. That's why I said, at first I said, I'll wait for you to look for it. But then I said, I got to be at work tomorrow morning. Sorry. <laughs> I don't have time to let you work for it. Right. to look for <laughs> you understand it's not in there but why do we have these concepts we have these concepts so since we are ignorant about the purpose of Yahweh we're even ignorant about whether there even is the existence of a Yahweh or creator we're even ignorant about that even though we have witness after witness after witness see you and I me and my wife Typify a creator. We created kids. And then we turn around and tell somebody else, well, you know, you can't really prove that God exists. Don't your children exist? Didn't you create them? That's a type in a shadow. That was a Romans 119 and 20. And read that for me, please, in case we have any new people here. It's in the book, folks. We, we're going to stay in that book. And the founder of this school implored us to stay in that book. You know why? Because it's the same book that you got laying on your table or under your bed or in your nightstand that you refuse to open, but you got so smart and you know so much all of a sudden you can make preposterous statements like, it don't make no difference what you call it. Says who? He never said that. That is a figment of your imagination. You have no book on it. You have nothing in the creation that points to that. Try this. Try going in the store and you want a, a, a package of Twinkies. Go in there and ask the clerk, say, hey, you got any roses? See what you get. See if you get any Twinkies. So it's something as simple as that that shows you that a name does mean something. You want Twinkies, you better say Twinkies. If you want to talk to the, savior, to the Savior in your own conscience and in your own heart and mind, you better know his name. You better know who to address. So it does make a difference what you call him. 
See, Yahweh has done all the forgiving of your ignorance that he is going to forgive us. Your last chance is when Yahweh reveals to you his true name and the true name of the Savior. That's your last turn to get away with your ignorance. Because you don't have an alibi anymore. And just because you like it, don't change the fact that the Savior's name is Yahshua, who is the Messiah. And the Father's name is Yahweh. And you walking around here wanting to refute it and say that it don't make any difference in the whole time. You're inhaling and you're exhaling. And you're saying the name. The whole time, you ain't gonna make no difference. Y'all can't do, you're harping on this, you're blah, blah, this, you're blah, blah, that. Yes. So you're a witness against yourself. Mm -hmm. Now, you think it don't make any difference how you breathe? Try breathing Jesus Christ. That's right. Try breathing the Lord. Try breathing Allah. See how long that helps you. See how, see how long you can do that before you pass out. It's just simple. It's the simplicity of the gospel that slays you. It's the simplicity of the gospel that slew every last one of us that are adhering to this teaching. It's the simplicity, the simplicity of it that slew your carnal mind your high-mindedness. We're looking at water, something as simple as water. You have to come back for all this. We don't have time to go through anything. I already left the scriptures around. I don't even know how much time we got. You have to come back. 20 minutes, Dr. That, Lewis. That's, uh, uh, I want you to go. We're in an exodus there. I wanted to go through where at the end of that chapter, where Yahweh, Moses asked to see Yahweh. And now we wouldn't know anything about this if it wasn't for this vision of Revelation. And that's near the, uh, uh, in Exodus, the chapter 30, 33. Um, yes, it's- uh, down to around, now pick up the train of thought. I don't want to go into- 17, maybe. Okay, try that. Okay. Uh, let's see, that's Exodus 33 and 17, I believe. Now go back, no, start at 13, because now that, here's, here's the thing I want to pick up. This is Moses having a conversation with the creator himself, mm -hmm. with Yahweh. Now this is the 33rd chapter. Uh -huh. And Moses and Yahweh are interacting. Now he already says, go back there where he says, and with Moses, it's not so. Okay, that's in another um, chapter, I believe. No, go to 11. Go to 11 first. 11, Start right. at 10. Start at 10. That's Exodus 33 and 10. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the meeting tent door. And all the people rose up and worshiped every man in his tent door. 
Now you see yeah. this chart right in front of you? I'm sorry, I'm, I know I'm hard to read for. You see this chart right in front of you? You see that tent out there by the River Jordan? Now that's the tent that this scripture is talking about. You see Moses standing out there? See, and that tent right there by the River Jordan, that's the tent that Moses is going to see and goes in and talks with Moses and Yahweh talks with Moses face to face. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And the previous speaker talked about it. We didn't know who that was. We thought it was some wispy willow, wispy thing. You could barely see half. You could see transparent image of a man and it was an angel uh -huh. talking to Moses. But it's through this vision and revelation, and you have to come back for this because we'll prove it, that that was none other than Joshua, the son of Nun, that Moses is talking to. Right. See, read, read where you at. 11th verse, and Yahweh spake unto Moses face to face. Now he's face to face. Now listen, if Yahweh was talking to Moses face to face, then he must have had a face to talk to Moses' face. So it wasn't a wispy willow floating thing, a, a mighty force upon Moses. That was Joshua, the son of Nun, that led him up out of the land of Egypt. The previous speaker went to where it talked about what Joshua told them that he did. And when Joshua, just to reiterate what he said, when Joshua called the children of Israel and made them gather together at Shechem, and if you read the scripture, but see, if you don't have a vision, you don't understand what you're reading. You can't put two and two together. You can't lay down a track and follow it from the beginning to the end. And it says, and all the people presented themselves before Elohim. I thought you said Joshua told him to come and see him. Mm -hmm. Listen, folks, they're one and the same, but it took them to reveal that. You can't think that up. That's right. We don't have the ability to elevate our consciousness, but it's right there in the book, been there all this time. And we all stumbled over it and kicked over it and ignored it for years with our intellect intact. Listen, folks, it's a gift. You are not going to ponder up on Yahweh's purpose. If Yahweh through Yahshua does not come and get you from whatever state you're in, you will never understand his purpose. Read. Pick up and, Yahweh and Yahweh spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the meeting tent. Now, that, that, I thought that was an angel in the tent. Mm -hmm. Now Moses letting it out of the bag. See, this is Moses' account of it. Moses letting out a bag, but see, I came out. So I came on down like I came on down like Yahweh told me. But see, Joshua, he stayed in there. Well, what's Joshua doing with you then? If you Yahweh told you to come out there and meet him in the tent, because that listen, that Joshua was Joshua, no J, no Jesus. So Joshua was truly Joshua. Or Yahweh matted in the flesh. Yahweh right in the flesh. Because now listen, remember, Yahweh's telling Moses in another part of Exodus, he's saying, now I have come down. 
Not that I sent Michael down there to examine and get me a, and write down what's going on and come back and give me a report. That's not what the book says. The book says, Yahweh said, I have come down. Just like Yahweh the Messiah had to come down. That was Yahweh manifested in the body. And Yahshua the Messiah was not the first time Yahweh embodied himself. You got Yahshua the Messiah doing the same thing. I'm telling you, folks, nobody would know anything about this unless Yahweh just called some people up throughout the history of the creation of the world. Yahweh has always came and got someone and took someone to tell them about himself right out of his own mouth. He just elevated them. That's why they all talk about it. Even Paul talks about I was in the third heaven. See, he was elevated beyond the fuck. And listen, Paul says, whether I was in the body or out of the body, I know not. Why would he not know whether he was in the body or out of the body? Because he wasn't conscious. He wasn't conscious like a physical carnal man is. So Yahshua is instituting. Joshua is instituting. He's setting off Yahweh's purpose. He's bringing forth Yahweh's purpose. How to bring mankind back to himself. See, the separation, I know I'm covering a lot of ground, but I, I didn't intend to. The separation came here, folks. When that satanic spirit deceived that angelic host, that was a separation from the creator himself, from Yahweh himself. The satanic spirit duped them. And that's image. Go to the uh, uh, go up to the top to the Moses chart. Or go to the uh, elementary chart. We got to get Adam in the garden. I know I'm jumping all over the place, but I'm trying to lay down a pattern that you can follow. I'm trying to debunk a lot of this mysterious, unauthorized, if I could say that, and unfounded and unsupported imagined nations and thought process that's being espoused in the world as truth. And they can't prove anything. But now the things we say down here, we're going to go prove it to you. And we're going to prove it by the book. Now we dare you to prove what you say by the book. Now you get your book and you show me that it don't make any difference what you call it. We've, we've put that dare out there many a time and nobody has done it yet. So if you think it don't make any difference, then prove it. Or else shut up about it. See, now here you have Moses, you have, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Adam and Eve in the garden. See, so we're telling that that angelic host, see, was deceived by that satanic spirit, by Lucifer. See, the most beautiful and high-ranked angel up there. Because he fooled them at that angelic host into thinking that he was the leader, that he created them. And that angelic host, since they could not understand Yahweh in that pure spirit state, will say, he's the best living one up here, seems to be the most intelligent. I guess he is the leader. So Yahweh 
in order to cause that all of that angelic hosts were not to be deceived and be destroyed in the lake, cast that satanic spirit out. And he cast him out of heaven into the earth plane. That's over there in, in Revelation. See, where it talks about there was a war in heaven. Don't get it, because I know I don't have that much time. See, you don't have to get it. You have to come back. Somebody else will go in there and dig through that for an hour. See, so he cast that satanic spirit out into the earth plane. He cast him out into ethereal darkness. Now, ethereal doctor, a darkness, as the founder explained it, you say it's darkness that is so dense that you can feel it. It's a heavy weight. It's darkness that is so dense, impenetrable, that it just weighs on you. That's where that satanic spirit was cast into, where he deserved. So he didn't able to see. This is what's important about understanding that it's ethereal darkness, is he did not see Yahweh manifest in the flesh of Yahshua the Messiah. So when Yahshua the Messiah shows up on the screen, that satanic spirit thinks he's just another disciple and that he can handle him like he deceived all the rest of the world. But that's a whole different story. Somebody else will go through that one of these days. Listen, we got enough stuff to go through to last you the rest of your life. As a matter of fact, I'm going to put it like this. What we have in this vision and revelation and this teaching to go through will afford you life. Because right now you're dead as a door now. You don't even know your creator's name. And I know that's harsh. But sometimes somebody's got to kick you in the pants and then the next person come along and rub your head. See, get you back, sitting back up, up, up straight, right, up, upright again. See, that's the way it works, folks. You got to come down before you can resurrect. You can't come out of the grave until you go in it. So you must die before you can resurrect. And that's what this teaching in this vision does. See, it just shows you the state that you were in when you came in contact with this name, Yahweh and Yahshua. You were in a dead state. I was in a dead state. I knew nothing about my creator. And not only did I not know his name, I didn't know what his purpose was. I didn't even know what he expected from me. And I was shocked and amazed when I found out that there's nowhere in the Bible or in the book or anything that was ever written about the creator where he said, I've come to show you a Christian example of how to live your life. Now, if you got that in, in your book, find it for me. And give me chapter and verse, too. It's not in there, folks. Many of us have looked. But he came in. He came in to say, he came to save you from your sins. He came to save the world from our sins. And now who hasn't sinned? Show me one. Show me one from the disciples on down. You have Paul over there talking about, now listen, and Paul would, could preach the gospel up, down. High-minded man, intellectual too. Way more intellectual. You can speak seven languages, and we can't even handle English. We chop it all up. 
And he had to admit, Paul had to admit, see, that he was a foolish man, an old wretched man. Oh, how a wretched man that I am. See, because you know the story of Paul. If you don't, you ought to get familiar with it. Because Paul is illustrating and showing in his life and what he did. The same thing that Joshua had to do to every last one of us. He had to knock us down and make us turn around and go the other way. That's what he had to do. That's what he had to do with me. Some people say, well, as soon as I heard the name, I knew it was the truth. I didn't. And when I first heard the name, I wasn't really interested in the truth, if you want to know the facts of the matter. But Yahweh in his infinite mercy say, Myra, you don't even know what to ask for. You don't know what to ask for, when to ask it, or who to ask it from. So you are lost ball in high weeds. Until Yahweh decides he's going to impart something to you. So my dad used to have a saying, and he used to say, you know what, boy? If you will keep your mouth shut, people won't know how stupid you are. Because we, that's when we find out how much we don't know when we start telling people how much we do know. Now, isn't that amazing? Because we've all said things and tried to press a point in a conversation. And then later on, when we sat down and thought about what we said, we had to admit to ourselves that that person must think I'm a fool <laughs> because we were acting a fool trying to establish something that has no grounds, no truth, no proof. See, no laws behind it to prove that that's what it is. But see, you see, so Adam, see, that satanic spirit cast out here in the ground. And you see that, that angelic host standing. Zoom in on that transgression plate, please. You see, you see that angelic host there? See that angel? Now, we thought it was a snake. See? Now, Yahweh used the snake or described that satanic host as a snake because of the snake's attributes, which the satanic spirit has. Now, we thought it was a snake for real. And you know doggone well that if a snake came up and talked to you, you were either going to turn and run like heck, you ain't going to listen to no conversation from that snake, or you're going to try to get him in a cage and take him to a circus and make money with him, if you could talk. I see the bell. But in reality, what you have is you see that angelic host there, that's that satanic spirit looking like an angelic host. Remember, he wasn't, he's a fallen angel. And angels were beautiful, beautiful and looked up to. So he's standing there talking to Eve. Now, Eve, what's taking place here is Eve is being deceived. And we, I don't have time to go all the way back to Genesis and go over that conversation that Eve is having with that angelic host. You'll have to come back because he's asking Eve what Yahweh told her. And Eve knew what Yahweh said, and Eve told the satanic spirit, said, no, Yahweh said we can eat up every fruit of the garden. And you see, in, as depicted in this chart, and that's why we use charts, because a picture is worth a thousand words. 
And listen, the apostles, the apostles had charts too. That's what Paul tells Timothy. Say, come and see me. And when you come, make sure you bring those charts with you. Because a picture's worth a thousand words. And you see up here, depicted on the far left of that, up, that upper chart, upper part of that chart, you see Adam sitting down at rest. And what that's depicted is this, that we never knew. We thought that Adam was deceived right along with Eve. That is showing, and it was pointed out through this vision and revelation, that Adam was not deceived. He was in the transgression because he did partake of the fruit of that tree of good and evil, which was not apples. It wasn't an apple tree. You come back here, it was an olive tree, and we'll prove it if you come back. Olive, as in olive. So he was not in the trans, he was not deceived, but he was in the transgression because he partook of that fruit from that olive tree for his wife's sake. In other words, he sacrificed himself, his life, for his bride, and Eve is typifying the bride or the assembly of Yahweh. Those that understand Yahweh's purpose and the Savior Yahshua's mission. See, you're the bride of Yahshua, and that's a state of existence, see, that is just bestowed upon you from the Creator Himself. You can't earn it or work up on it, you just have to accept the truth as it explained to you. you. We have to get ourselves out of the way, folks. We have to stop being ourselves and be sons of the Most High. Because ourselves don't even, listen, we won't even eat right for our own selves. And I'm talking about, I've been in the gospel and know who the Creator is, but I still can't make myself stop drinking. And everybody knows that ain't good for you. Can't make myself stop eating all the stupid stuff that I eat. And everybody knows that ain't good for you. Yet we still do it. Everything we do is diametrically closed to our own well-being. All right, I see time is up. I know it's out. I won't keep running on it, make you go. But folks, just please come back. And I hope that some of the things I said, I know were harsh. But now you have to prove to me or you have to prove to everyone that listened to this that the things I said are not true. And when you can do that, then you have something to bark at me about. Then you can jump on me, and guess what? And I'm going to take it, too. Because if I'm wrong about what I, something I said, I'm going to take it. I'm going to let you address it, and I'm going to let you show that I was wrong, and I'm going to admit that I was wrong when you show it. Because what? Your eternal life depends on it. I would have no choice but accept it. Just like if the things that I've sold and proven to you to be true, and you can't disannul them with something you can prove it by, then you have to accept it. You either have to accept it or head to the lake. Take your pick. But all praises go to Yahshua Messiah if he's imparted anything to anyone that they can understand that our only hope is in Yahshua Messiah. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Lewis, for that beautiful testimony. 
That brings a conclusion to our lecture this morning. We hold classes every Tuesday and Thursday from 6.30 until 8.30 p.m. and on Sundays from 11 to 1. At this time, can we all stand in our hearts and minds for doxology? Also, we would like to thank all of our visitors for joining us today and hope that you do return and join with us again. Now unto him that's able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise Elohim, our savior, through Yahshua, the Messiah, our sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power, both before all time now and forever, let us all say hallelujah.